All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, a tremendous Thursday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show, Sports 1440. Also, uh, Oilers Nation uh, YouTube and Facebook at uh, sports1440.ca. As well, uh, on the app, iHeartRadio, Stingray app, Radio Player, wherever you can get them, log them all together. You'll great. You'll enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we got a loaded show for you today. Lots to discuss. The NBA trade deadline. We'll get to some of the deals. Of course, uh, NHL, the Oilers uh, practicing again today. They will get set to take on. The Anaheim Ducks tomorrow. It's the Ducks' first game out of the break. So uh, they haven't played since January 31st. The Orders, of course, have uh, the one game under their belt, the uh, 3-1 loss in Vegas. They've defeated the Ducks 8-2 and 7-2 this season. And then they're in L.A. It'll be the Kings' first game after the break. Also, the Kings' first game with their new interim head coach, Jim Hiller. So see if the uh, Orders can take advantage of... uh, you know, playing teams who uh, haven't played in that long. We'll see. Gregor Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where, uh, man, uh, it's it's prop bet week. That's what we want to call it. Because uh, I know many of you are looking for all sorts of different things. You got yards, receiving yards, catches, throws, interceptions, safeties, you name it. You want to uh, wager on it. Stay within your limits, of course. Uh, use your game sense. Go to PlayAlberta.ca. Uh, Dave McCarthy will be by. Uh, we'll talk a little uh, Super Bowl. 
as the uh, Chiefs get set to take on 49ers. Uh, Josh Briscoe will uh, join us. We got the uh, Admiral will be uh, by from uh, Chicklets talking a little uh, NHL. Speck will uh, join us from Bakersfield. Uh, Craig Morgan talking about the uh, Coyotes. Are they staying in Arizona? Are they getting an arena deal? Or will they be on the move? Hello, Utah, Salt Lake City. Livingston will be by. Uh, TR has the day off. He's uh, he's at Disney World today. Now, I don't know if he, you know what, by, by coming out of a 21-year retirement, is that why he got the trip? Did he win a trip to Disney World because of that? I don't know. We'll have to find out. So uh, he might join us for a segment. Uh, we're waiting to see. Uh, how it goes, but um, he's uh, on his way to Orlando. So, fun times. As always, you can get involved. You can text us, 833-401-1440. 833-401-1440. And the one thing I want to talk about, because uh, here we are, today is February 8th. We are exactly one month, 29 days away from the NHL trade deadline, which, of course, will happen on Friday, the 8th of March. We'll, uh, and we're going to have a trade deadline show and everything. be lots of fun. And uh, the Edmonton orders, will they be making deal? I think the orders are going to make a trade. I think there's a good chance they might make two. And I, I know there's been lots of talk about you know, a lot. You know, some people, not everybody. Some feel like, oh, they got to upgrade Cody CC. That's killing them. Well, the numbers would actually suggest that's not the case. Right now, limiting goals isn't what it's hurting the orders. The orders are good, right? If if you look at a team when you see expected goals for expected goals against, like the, the orders are, they're really good, and that's in, that's the whole season, which includes their terrible start. If you got it since then, it's even more dominant for the Edmonton Oilers. And like, like you're talking a stretch of over three months where they've been a dominant NHL team. It's impressive. So one could argue that the orders are still a cup contender if they make no moves. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's be abundantly clear. But no one would be surprised if the orders won the cup right now. They're not a favorite. Like, I don't know if there's any clear favorite this year, but the orders would be one of the legit contenders. Now, the challenge for Edmonton, just like the challenge for Vancouver and the challenge for Vegas, they're all in the same division. It's a pretty tough division. I would argue right now the Pacific, because if I look at Colorado, Colorado is playing very well, but they're so top-heavy reliant. And uh, they've relied too much on their goalie. Now, in the second half, if they could lower his starts, that will help them a lot. But until they get another goalie, I'm not sure they're going to do that. And uh, they're going to have to go out and add some guys. Now, if they add some guys, they become even more dangerous, right? Because they look a little bit like the orders of 2021-22, where David and Drysdale carried them a lot, like McKinnon and Rantanen are doing. Now, you can do that, but it's hard to go four rounds deep doing it. And so... Looking at some trade targets for the Edmonton Oilers. So let's kind of start at the top. And just because you start at the top doesn't necessarily mean. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to end this segment with a duo that no one's talked about. 
as to who I think the order should actually look at. And I think there's a reason that that would help them a lot more than some think. Okay? That's my little teaser that's coming up at the end of this uh, near the end. So you start out at the at the top portion for the Edmonton Oilers. Second line right wing. In a, in a perfect world, they could find uh, a proven top six productive right winger. Now, Jake Gensel's name's out there. But he's a left shot. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a great option. Number one, for a variety of reasons. Hey, if he comes in, or he's going to want power play time, and is that going to lessen some of Kane's power play time? You know, it disrupts some things for your team, and I'm not sure it's. It's. It can be an issue. Like, look at Florida, and I use Florida because I was trying to think of teams that were that were a good team that went out and made a big splash. That's what Florida did two years ago. Remember, they went out and they got Claude Giroux and Ben Chirot. Did it help them? Now, it helped them in the sense that they won around, but they hadn't won for decades. So there's value to that. And then they, they went the following year to the Stanley Cup final. But when they made the big splash, it, it didn't work out maybe as well as they would have liked. And, and I'm not sold that the big splash is necessarily what's needed. Could the orders get a top six guy? Like, sure. Tyler Toffoli is the perfect candidate. The problem is Jack Hughes is back in the lineup tonight for the uh, New Jersey Devils. And uh, when Jack Hughes isn't in the lineup, the Devils are obviously not nearly as good as they are when he's in the lineup. Right? You look at their uh, their record with uh, with Jack Hughes out of the lineup, they are 6-9-1. Uh, and one. With Hughes in the lineup, they're 19-11-2. It's a pretty big difference. Right? 19, 11, and 2, 6, 9, and 1. So you get Jack Hughes in the lineup. He's, if he can stay in the lineup, there's a pretty good chance they're going to move up the standings. They are five back of Philly, but they got three games in hand. So they, it's going to be a dogfight for third place in the Metro and in the wall card. Third place is the Flyers, then these Islanders, Penguins, and the Devils. They're all within uh, five points of the Flyers, and they all have games at hand on the Flyers. And then you throw in the wall card race, Tampa and uh, Detroit. And Tampa, of course, got bad news last night. Sergachev is out, sounds like, for a long time, if you read his Instagram post. He was pretty uh, emotionally beat up about that. Finally gets back in, comes in, reverse hit. Looks like his ankle just broke. It was ugly. Got to get stretchered off. Not good. So that's a big blow for Tampa. So Toffoli, though, he had 34 goals last season, 73 points. Career highs. You're thinking, ah, oh, big one-off. Well, he's already got 21 goals this year, but here's what's impressive about Toffoli. He's got 21 goals despite playing only 59% of the time with Jack Hughes because Hughes has been out of the lineup. That's your center, and his offense didn't drop. He's got 21 goals. He's actually on pace for 36, which would set a new career high for him. He isn't the fleetest of foot, doesn't need to be. He's fast. He's smart. He knows how to score. He knows how to play in the playoffs. He would be the ideal, ideal second line right winger for the Edmonton Oilers. But I don't think that's, uh, unless they, they fall out, I'm not sure it's going to be a great option. Right. Then, then you've got some other guys, you know, Travis Connect me. <laughs> He'd be a great addition. But I don't see the Flyers trade him. And if they do, it's going to be a big a big haul. But he's got one year left after this at 5.5 mil. He leads them in goals with 23 and points with 51. I know they're looking at moving guys like like Sean Walker potentially, maybe Scott Lawton. But 
I think the Flyers realize, you know, hey, our team's decent here. We don't just got to gut it and get rid of our emotional leader. He's kind of the heartbeat of their team. Phil Kessel, next. It's not happening, okay? Phil Kessel to Edmonton, zero chance. I'll just say that. Um, Here's an interesting one. He's having a bounce back here. Anthony Mantha. He's got 15 goals, 14 of them at 5-on-5. He leads the Capitals in 5-on-5 scoring. Right? Now, so he's not a guy that would come in expect me on your power play, so you're not going to have to worry about that. He comes in, he plays on your second line, you move Fogel down to your third line. Fogel's on your third line, you got a really good third line. Now, he's a huge man. Now, it's he's had two pretty rough years in, in Washington, but he seems to have refound his game and his confidence this year, new head coach. Now, the good news is the GM in Edmonton knows him quite well. So he'll know what makes Mantha tick. Maybe he's like, nah, nah, I've seen it, I don't want it. But... Like, this guy had 25, 20. He had some pretty good years. The last two have been lean. So you're getting a guy who's hungry. He's a pending UFA. And because of his cap hit, I'm not sure the, I'm not sure the, like, I don't, he's not commanding a first rounder. That's for sure. So I don't see it. Right. But now let's get to the area where I think the orders by adding not one, but two players. One's being talked about. One I have not seen anybody talk about. I did a deep dive research on it, and i tell you why I think this duo could be a real big difference maker for the Oilers because it could help in matchups, and here's why. So Nick Dowd, many of you have heard the name Nick Dowd. How many of you know? How about this for a number? Because I'm telling you, anybody who follows and crunches numbers is going to be like, what? Nick Dowd, there's no player in the NHL who starts in the defensive zone more than Nick Dowd on average per game. His offensive zone starts 23 at five on five all year. 23. His defensive zone starts 188. 23 to 188. Now here's where it gets interesting with Nick Dowd. So Nick Dowd is starting in the D zone. And guess what? He doesn't just take the, 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 other teams' bottom guys. No one in Washington plays more minutes versus elite per game than Nick Dowd. They're going to say, hey, Nick, guess what? Not only are you going to start majority of your shifts in the D zone, you're playing against the other team's best players for a lot of it. And what has Nick Dowd done? He's outscored the opposition when it's elite players, 7-3, to 5-on-5, five five, despite basically all the time starting in his defensive zone when it's, a, when it's a, obviously off of a whistle. Obviously, lots of guys have, um, um, you know, change on the fly. But he plays a lot against the other team's top guys and does quite well. Considering how often he's starting in the D zone. So he's one guy. Now, people will think, oh, he's a fourth line center. He's not going to cost a lot. Wrap your head around the fact that this is the Barkley-Goudreau trade. Barkley-Goudreau in 2020. Remember, people were freaking out. What? They gave up a first-rounder for Barkley Goudreau. Well, go back and look what happened. They won two Stanley Cups. Barkley Goudreau, they knew what they wanted. They didn't need top-end guys in Tampa. What they needed was a guy who could add some grit, kill penalties, and help out add some energy in their bottom six. And he did that for two years. Two playoff runs. And then he cashed in, got a pretty good contract with the Rangers. But Tampa knew what they wanted. They filled the hole. And that's exactly what Barkley Goudreau did. Well, Nick Dowd... I would argue is probably a little bit better offensively than Goudreau. He had 13 goals, 5-on-5 five five last year. He had 9 goals in 56 games, 5-on-5. Five five. 
in the in the shortened season. So that's pretty good production five on five. He's got seven five on five goals this year. Right on pace for 12, 13 again. And he plays tough minutes. I looked at the matchup in Washington. He excelled on a team that gets outscored. He's outscored the opposition 18 to 12. Now, some people look at his underlying metrics and be like, well, Gregor, look at his shot share. Well, yeah, look at his shot share. And then, and then you got to dig a little deeper and realize I've never seen, there's no one in the NHL. Now, Pajot actually has more defensive zone starts, but he's played 11 more games, right? If you're going off of average, it's nicked out. And you know who's second closest to him? His line mate, Beck. Beck is Stein. That's who it is. I got to say his name correctly. Okay. That's who it is. The two of them. You got Dowd. Everybody's talked about Dowd. Nobody's talked about Beck Malenstein. Now, Beck Malenstein is a six foot three, 200 pound winger. He has 131 hits. He's actually only had a 17 offensive zone starts and 192 defensive zone starts. Now, he's played eight more games, but he's actually had even fewer offensive zone starts than Dowd. So. They play, and I looked at their time on it. When they're on in the game, they play together all the time. And so they're taking all these tough matchups. And so here's the advantage. So you could add both of them. Dowd's going to cost you a first. There hasn't been hardly anybody talking about Beck Malenstein. Now, he's a winger. He's 26 years of age. He's an RFA for one more year. He makes 762000 right now. He's actually below the league minimum because the league minimum has gone up since he signed his contract. Used to be 762.5, now it's 775. Six foot three, can skate, good defensively. And most importantly, oh, and by the way, he's the number one penalty killer in Washington. Averages two, four point two uh, minutes, 45 seconds per game. So you're going to add two guys that you can have five on five in matchups. And guess what? What this would allow Chris Knobloch to do is say, hey, our fourth line, we're going to match up against the other team's top guys. A few shifts a game, which would free up McDavid to go against the other team's fourth line or third line. And trust me, there's very few third and fourth lines who can consistently go up against elite guys and not get outscored. But that's what Dowd does, right? Alongside his line mate, Malenstein. So to bring in both of them, the reason I'm like, hey, if you're going to swing for the fences, why not go for both? Because I think Dowd's going to cost you the first anyway. If you add in Malenstein, like, what's the extra cost here? Plus, then you look at, you can say, hey, well, we, yeah, okay, we gave up a first, but we got two guys. Dowd's got another year left at 1.3. Malenstein's an RFA. He's making 762.5. Easy to qualify him. He doesn't have huge numbers. So even if he goes to arbitrator, he's not going to command a huge salary increase. Maybe a mil. Right? I look at him. Would that be an upgrade on what on Derek Ryan and, and Connor Brown right now? Uh, yeah, in my eyes, it would. Both of these guys can kill penalties, so that's what Brown and Ryan do. But they're better five on five, and they can take the tough minutes five on five. I'm telling you, if the Edmonton Orders are looking for an addition, like I think Nick Dowd is one of the best fits for what they need. He in his career, 475 games. He's 51.5% in the face-off dot. He's not a dominant face-off guy, but he's good enough. And more importantly, he's so good defensively 
that even when you lose draws, he's not getting outscored. I think about that. You're starting that often in your D zone, and you're still outscoring the opposition five on five, 18 to 12. It's really impressive. I'm telling you, nobody's talked about it. You can say you heard it here first. Dowd and Malenstein. Dowd's name's been out there, and rightfully so. But no one's talking about uh, Beck Malenstein. And I'm telling you, as a duo, you bring him in, it's going to be easier to adjust. These guys have played together all the time. That is a move that I think would really benefit the Empton owners because it could help them in matchups to free out McDavid and get him, even, even if we're only talking three, four shifts a game, away from the other team's best guys. I'll take I'll take my chances. Could McDavid maybe score one time out of those three or four of those four shifts against the other team's bottom fourth line? He might. What about the other team's second line, who's maybe a, a little bit weaker defensively? Yeah, I'd do it. And and he has done it all year long. I talked to two scouts day out east because I wanted. I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. I want to confirm it with them. And they're like those guys. He goes, I've never seen anything like it to start consistently. Like I, I told you, Pajo has 192 defensive zone starts, but he has 71 in the offensive zone. These guys are taking tough minutes, and they're doing well, and they're outscoring the opposition. It's a, it's a duo that I'm telling you I would look at if I was Ken Holland. So there you go. We'll get your thoughts on that and more uh, when we return on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, live in Owners Nation, YouTube and Facebook, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 2.27, welcome back. Jason Greger Show, lots of text flying in at 8. Three three, four zero one fourteen forty. We are live in the Ewell Studio. Your local electrical distributor. You need anything electrical for any one of your projects? They are the group to call. They'll get it done, get it made up, and uh, like many of you, huge order fans. So you'll have uh, you can talk electrical and the orders together at Ewell. Let's uh, get to our big guest of the day. Uh, brought to you by Silent Rides Charter. Company, state-of-the-art motor coaches that will safely take you and your group to your next destination. Book your ride today at silentrides.ca as we uh, join the uh, the Admiral once again from uh, Spitting Chicklets. Talk a little uh, National Hockey League. How you doing, my man? Good. How are you doing, Jay? Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, brother. Hey, buddy. Uh, happy to have you on. There's lots going on. Uh, the All-Star break has, uh, has come and gone. And, uh, you know, now we are officially a month away from the NHL trade deadline. We've already seen uh, a few deals uh, all involving the Canadian teams. Like the Vancouver Canucks are right now, like they're the hotbed of trades basically all season long. They've been involved in, in more than the rest of the, the league combined. So I guess my question to you is what, what are the American teams going to get involved and who do you see, who, who do you see in the, in the, in the Metro or the Atlantic, let's start there, that is most in need of making a deal before the deadline? Uh, most in need in the Metro. Let's see. Um, well, Pittsburgh's not even in the playoffs right now, but they, they need to do, do something about that defense. The team defense is awful. I mean, I don't think their goaltends is an issue, but uh, they're going to have to really clean up their system, too. I mean, everyone raved when they went out and got Carlson, and a lot of people said the guy's a great defenseman, but he doesn't play much defense, and we're seeing that with this team this year. I don't know if the, they have the biggest needs, because I don't even know if they're going to get the playoffs, but um, yeah, well, let's pick on the Toronto Maple Leafs. They, they need defense probably more than, more than oh, Pittsburgh God. does. I mean, yeah. you know, the goaltender's been great lately. That, that little break he took, they sent them down to the minors. I know he didn't play, but it, 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 he could just clear his head. He's been terrific since then. Uh, Samson off, so 
Uh, but it's still the same D, and that's been their bugaboo for years. And I mean, if they get the goaltending this year, then the, the defense is still uh, flawed. So um, I can't wait, man. The trade deadline's uh, dynamite time. Just why you brought up, why I brought up Toronto, Jay? What a what a time last week. Were you were you in the city last week for the All Star game? Were you out there? No, I didn't. I didn't. I actually uh, went oh. with my wife. I went to uh, uh, Arizona, and I went to a post Malone concert on the uh, 16th hole at the uh, Waste Management uh, Open. It set up the, a week before. It was an unbelievable place to be. So yeah, I took. Oh. A little R and R instead. Yeah, well, one one or the other. If you, if you weren't in Toronto, you were probably on vacation. If you're in the hockey media world, both lucky, lucky you, good for you. It was a great time. I mean, a terrific host city, and you know, everywhere you looked, there was somebody yeah. from the media or a hockey world or whatever. So, a uh, great time, great host. But um, yeah, the deadline's coming. I mean, what about, what about Vancouver? I mean, a year ago they looked dead in the water. Uh, Winnipeg almost as well, and then they get rid of. Well, they signed the two guys, bonus clown, calls a meeting, whatever, and they're, they're two different teams. And it's, mm-hmm. it's wild that the both of them have done a complete 180, man. I, I'm really looking forward to see what they do in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it doesn't, like, it sure looks like Dubois and Wheeler <laughs> weren't, weren't missed in Winnipeg, to, to put it bluntly, um, uh, as, as the way they're going. But uh, in your hometown, the Boston Bruins, of course, you know, they had the greatest regular season ever last year. Now, it didn't, uh, it didn't pan out because they, they, let's be honest, they choked and suddenly. They the bed. Yeah, and, and they, for for. Re- reasons I still don't understand went away with what got them successful by rotating their goaltenders but I look at that team and despite losing their top two centers they really haven't missed a beat do do you see them like is there one area that the Bruins are going to add like do they need a winger do you still think they need a center what do you think they're going to do well they definitely need a defenseman I think they have probably too many right now where you can't have too many defensemen going to the playoffs but I would like to see a little bit more depth scoring uh maybe a middle six guy I mean I don't think they're going to get a a top line guy, but you know the way they're playing right now. I I think, I mean last year I think they maybe made too many moves. I mean Nick Foligno made that observation. That, that wasn't mine. He he said after the season it was almost like that the team made too many moves. They stockpiled too many guys, and then you know they they was I think Monty was trying to play everybody everywhere, and it just kind of threw the whole rhythm of the team off. And obviously, like you just said, the goaltend that was an absolute cluster chuck the, the way they handled that situation. But uh, yeah, I mean as a, as a big Bruins fan, I just you know get, get a little bit more scoring. But I think the defense is. Right up there, the goaltender's top notch, and uh, it's been uh, pleasantly enjoyable. I thought they were going to struggle a lot more missing those two guys, but uh, the drop off just wasn't as big as uh, people were expecting it to be so far. The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning devastating news last night. Uh, Sergachev finally gets back in the lineup, and uh, now oh, it looks man. like he might be done. Pretty emotional uh, Instagram post that he had uh, afterwards. Uh, you know what? Uh, it was uh, it was you know it was emotional. He's sad. He's angry. You can see, you could read his emotions right there. But that's a huge blow for a team that that's kind of battling now. It's Tampa Bay. I still think they'll figure it out. But all of a sudden, I think Tampa Bay, who was in a mar- who was in the market anyway for a defenseman, now might be in even you know a bigger market. And we know that Breezebaugh is never afraid to just trade away draft picks and say, I don't care about the future. We still think we can win. Yeah, I, I mean, as good as he is, I mean, it, it's not to minimize Sergeant. I mean, he's a great player, but he is one one player. And, you know, you get dressed in 18 guys, skaters, and I, I think, you know, a team like Tampa Bay with – what but the players they still have, the veteran leadership, and, of course, the goaltender with Vasilevsky. I don't think it's a, an insurmountable thing. And, yeah, Breezeball, he'll probably go out and try to get short. But, you know, he, he typically does a great job of getting, like, a, a veteran D who, you know, isn't an offensive guy and maybe not the most popular name. And, and they, they just play the system well, and they end up contributing. I think, you know, Bogosian a couple of years ago, you know. Oh yeah, no. Well, they they go out and they just find like we were talking earlier about the the Barkley Goudreau edition that was perfect for them. And I think Nick Dowd in Washington 
I outlined at the start of the show, I think Nick Dowd is this year's Barkley Goudreau and and arguably maybe better defensively. Like, I looked at his numbers, him and uh, his line mate, uh, Beck Malenstein, and I would actually tee them up. I'm telling you, Admiral, I would go out, if I was a team like Edmonton or others who need a fourth-line center, I would get both of them. Nobody in the NHL has more defensive zone starts. They've only, uh, they've had like 192 and 188 to to offensive zone starts of 17 and 23. Like they started and they play tough minutes. They played more tough minutes against the elite than anybody in Washington. And they're outscoring them. Like they, what they could do to a team is it could free up your best guys to not always have to play against the other team's best guys. And that in itself could be a, you know, if you just break even, you're a team that says, Hey, we'll put out our fourth line here for a few shifts a game against the other team's top guys. Cause we're fine. And then our top guys get to take on the other team's bottom guys. That's a mismatch you'd want all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on paper, anyways. But like, you know, like, like we go back to the Bruins. Like we just talked about last year. It was just you just don't know in the playoffs, man. I I can't wait to to, to see. Just, I think Jay, right now this league is as wide open as it's ever been in my lifetime. I I think literally one of twelve or fourteen teams can win the cup this year. I know obviously Edmonton's on fire, but. I don't. I, I don't think anyone's like that much of a head and shoulders favorite above really anybody else right now. Tell you oh, that. Yeah. No, I would agree with you on that for sure. And so they're, you know, like Colorado is the team to me that a they need a goaltender. Otherwise, their goalie is going to be on life support by the time they get to the playoffs because they just they're playing Georgiev way too much. Um, if you had Jake Allen or Mark Andre Fleury, which goalie do you think could give you a better chance in the playoffs? Wow. I mean, obviously, you know, Mark Andre's got the, the better pedigree by dint of the cups, but, you know, Jake Allen, he's, he's, he's been not quite, you know, he's been a number one a, a couple times in his career, but he really couldn't hang on to it. But he's a guy that can, is capable of getting hot. And, you know, what we've seen out of Mark Andre, obviously a legend of the game, a beloved uh, player by, yeah, by his peers and fans. But, you know, I, I don't know if we saw uh, enough uh, good play out of him last year that would, you know, warrant a team picking him up. But sometimes, you know, guys, like the name still, they, they, they'll glom onto a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer and, uh, and hope he, he can just pull, pull uh, a rabbit out of his hat like we'll see with Jonathan Quick this year. I mean, I think people thought he was going to be retired this summer and he got, you know, got come back in shape and he's, he's basically stolen the job from Shesterka right now. But uh, you know what? I'd, make, I'd probably go Jake Allen just by, I don't know, just because of the last couple of years with, with Flurry, I haven't been, you know, particularly, uh, I don't know, wouldn't, wouldn't make me run out and trade for him, I guess. Yeah. Like Flurry's number, like Flurry's name is one thing, his attitude's unreal. But his numbers aren't spectacular. Kevin Woodley kind of outlined it for us. And um, now I, that doesn't mean that he can't get hot. We've seen goaltenders like if if anybody can accurately predict, you know, after the top five goalies, who's going to be great in the playoffs, and you know, f- hook me up because uh, those guys will be making huge cake because it's it's extremely difficult to predict kind of from year to year, uh, goalie to goalie. Uh, but the other team that needs a goalie is the Carolina Hurricanes. Right, like they, like like the Hurricanes need a goalie, and to me, I still don't view them as a legit contender. Like they wouldn't be in my top five because they don't have a game breaker. It's been their problem for the last however many years. They don't have a guy in crunch time who can carry them. They got good players, you know what I mean, but they don't have like that dynamite offensive guy. I, I get what you're saying. I, I still think they got a, a, a pretty damn good roster. And last year, I mean, you know, they, even though they got swept on the conference finals, they played their asses off, man. They and they just couldn't beat Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky was in the zone, and I mean, Freddie played his ass off as well down the other end. And, and Ronda, when he was in, so I know this year they've gone through five goalies. Freddie's still dealing with the blood clot issue, and it's incredible that this team is. I, love, I think the second worst team save percentage, and somehow they're they're in the running for the Metro Division. It makes no sense. It defies all logic. But yeah. uh, I, if they they go out and get a bona fide number one or top flight goalie, then they're going to be very dangerous. But I mean, at the same time, if Freddie, I know he's 
I think he was starting to skate soon, or he may have already, but I don't know if he'll be ready for the playoffs. But after what we saw out of him last year, man, I, you know, I, I, if I was Rod, I wouldn't hesitate going back to him if he's healthy. Yeah. Like, I, I think, hey, Rod, he gets his team to play hard all year long. There's no question. Uh, and then some people wonder, do they have it? Like, can they elevate? Because they just don't have, like, a game breaker, like Kucherov, or you go like, McKinnon, or McDavid. Like, you look at the other top teams, Pedersen right now, or Hughes in Vancouver. They, like, I like Sebastian Ajo, but he, he wouldn't, he doesn't match up against anybody else's top guy in the, in, like, Maybe, maybe Boston. But even then, no, not what I'm saying. He's not Pasternak, so no, not even Boston. Like, there's no one. You know, and that, to me, I wonder if that's – I get that hockey's the team game. I understand it. But I just – I still think you need a game-breaker, and I don't think they have one in Carolina. Yeah, and well, I'm not sure that that cap figure up. Just walk that out for a second. I don't know what that, how much space they got. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to pull something off either. Um, is there anyone you're expecting? Uh, maybe like a, I always say expect the unexpected to come deadline season. Anybody you're thinking that might get traded that people aren't talking about? Well, I brought it up today, and I, I, I packaged up uh, Beck Malenstein with Nick with uh, Dowd as a duo. Like, you look at Washington, you know, they kept in the run, and they couldn't score to save their life. Those two... <laughs> play more minutes against, you know, they get more defensive zone starts than anyone. They're outscoring elite players. Like, it can give your team such a mismatch advantage. And, like, Dowd's going to cost a first-rounder like Barkley Goudreau did. But I don't think Mountstein costs you very much. You throw it in, and then you can convince, hey, we got two guys for the first, right? And Washington's still happy because they got the first for Dowd. So, to me, like, I haven't seen anybody talk about Mountstein, and I would do it as a duo, if I was an opposing team, because, opposing team. because you get two thirds of a line, they're both penalty killers, which is what you want on your fourth line, right? right? There's less chance to have to waste your top six guys in penalty killing roles, which I don't love doing anyway, if I'm a coach. And then the big wild card to me to watch is, uh, is St. Louis and, um, you know, Pavel Buchnevich. He's got one year left at 5.8 million. Um, he's basically like in his last 180 games, he's got 180 points. Like he's a point of game guy for that's over two and a, you know, two and a quarter of a season. So that's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I, you know, they might be asking a lot, but the blues are, they're trying to transition. Right. And I could see him and I know they try to trade Krug. He turned it down. I still think they might move one of their defensemen. I just, I don't know if they want to move Pareko or if a team's going to give them what they want, but the St. Louis blues are the team for me to watch that they might end up making a pretty big splash of moving guys out. Yeah, I mean, and I think the opposite could happen too. I mean, they were, they would look dead in the water not so long ago. They went out about a hundred to one, and I mean, they've been quietly playing their asses off, creeping up on teams. Yeah. I mean, I think they're the second wild card now. You know, obviously, you got to keep an eye on the future. I'm sure Doug Armstrong will do that. But also, man, you know, you got a, a goaltender who can get hot, who's, who's proven that he can win a Stanley Cup. They got some good talent there. I, I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to go all in, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go the other way and make a move, just try to try to. Sure, maybe pick up a defenseman or a forward and make a run out of here. And but you know, if again, if Armstrong can dump a guy and get you know draft picks and, and draft picks for the future, you know, it's a kind of a, a catch twenty. But I, I'll tell you though, San, uh, San Francisco, St. Louis, they've really been creeping up on everybody lately. I know it's, it seems like nobody's talking about them, but I think they could definitely do some damage with that roster and again with Bennington. Yeah, and, and hey, I, p- I picked the Blues a few weeks ago to make the playoffs on on the, our rundown podcast with Frank, and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "No, the Blues are good." But here's the thing: Armstrong has set on record. That he's willing to, you know, kind of move. He thinks that they're not there yet and they can retool. And so that makes me wonder that even though his team's playing well, if somebody offers him what he wants, he might move out one of those guys. And, and Buchnevich is, is a point of game player that no one talks about as a point of game player. Yeah, he definitely gets overshadowed. And, and I'm not sure if you saw, I saw Torch's quotes the other day. And, 
about you know Philly having to make the trades, and, he, and he's you know he's all in. He said we got to get rid of a guy in this room, and that's going to help the future. Then 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 do it, make it happen. And of course, I think Philly is a little closer to the bottom than St. Louis is, so I don't think St. Louis is playing on bottom and out. But it, it is interesting how uh, with the philosophy and how they're going to play it. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't count St. Louis out, man. I, like I said, they still got a lot of that pedigree from the Cup winning team, and and Bennington. I know he can be hot and cold, but when he's hot, man, he, he's among the best in the league. Yeah, when, when he's hot, you're right. He can uh, he can get into it. Um, the the Dallas Stars are the other one. I can't get a read on the Stars. Um, you know, they're a good team. I don't know, uh, you know, what they're uh, what they're going to be looking for, but they're maybe my surprise team because I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah, it, uh, like Ottinger, man, he was you know uh, coming you know, explode on the scene a couple of playoffs ago. Uh, that outstanding series he had versus Calgary, and uh, he you know he kind of hasn't been uh, the same since. I know he had a couple injuries, but he hasn't like just sort of jumped off the page. He's had a couple good games. I'm, I'm uh, but he, he's not a, a guy. I'm, I, I haven't been betting Dallas a ton this year because I haven't been sold on him winning as many games as he did last year, but. Uh, at the same time, that, that's a team, you know, you got Sag and Ben, all, all kinds of veteran leadership, Pavelski, Dot Robinson, you know, a young budded superstar, I mean, a pretty damn good defense, you know, Heisken and uh, Norris Trophy candidate. But if, if Auditor can, you know, kind of straighten out his game, then, yeah, I, I would consider them them certainly a contender. And, it, you know, it's still still a lot of hockey left. But he hasn't uh, he hasn't been the, the same guy that we've seen in the last couple of years. But the thing about goalies, man, I mean, he hasn't been awful, let me clarify, but you know, he, he's kind of set a standard, but the thing about goalies, they could turn around in two, three games as we see all the time. Yeah. Admiral, as always, buddy, we appreciate it. Thanks for this. We'll talk again soon. Anytime, Jay. Thanks, my man. You betcha. That's uh, Rear Admiral from uh, Spitting Chicklets. Uh, I was like, he's fired up, man. He brings a passion all the time. I like it. Get juiced up. Good conversation. A lot of texts flying in. 833-401-1440. We are a month away from the... Uh, trade deadline we'll talk about some some more names. i'm trying to look at realistic ones trying to look at like how does this help the team which team which matches worse which one but the you know the when buchanavich popped up on franks i was like hmm, it's an interesting one for st louis but um i'm hearing that uh, yeah they would trade him but it's going to cost you a lot to get him and rightfully so he's a pretty good player quick break we'll return to the gregor show on sports 1440 and uh talk a little super bowl next welcome back to the gregor show on sports 1440 Waters Nation YouTube and Facebook. Uh, this just coming up from the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Mikhail Sergachev underwent successful surgery today to stabilize fractures in both his tibia and fibula in his uh, left leg. Uh, he'll return to uh, Tampa Bay in the coming days. Uh, timetable for return uh, not yet established, but fractures in his tibia and fibula. Uh, that's going to be a few months for uh, Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, pretty big blow for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's get now to the uh, NFL report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, where the rates never change and they don't charge overtime. All of a sudden, your furnace conks out late at night, middle of the night, you need it fixed. You're not going to get gouged. You're just going to get great service. LegacyHeating.ca. And uh, we are a few days away from the uh, 58th Super Bowl. Joshua Briscoe, uh, post-game host for uh, Chiefs Radio at 810 in KC, joins us. And uh, Josh, I can imagine the excitement, the nervousness in uh, KC as they look uh, to, for their second consecutive championship. And, uh, you know, they're taking on the 49ers, a team they beat uh, a few years ago. Obviously a different team. There was no McCaffrey. There was no Purdy uh, then, just like uh, the Chiefs are different. But I have to ask you, a guy who's been hosting for a long time, I watched the Chiefs and, like, they still have Mahomes and they still have Kelsey, but I could make the argument, like, the defense is maybe the best part of this team. It's just hard to say that when it's the Chiefs and you got Patrick Mahomes. 
Hey, look, you don't have to fight me very hard on it. I've been talking about that for a while now. And at some point, it became something that I just had to accept as a fact, which is that the offense has Patrick Mahomes, and that means when big moments arrive, you trust the quarterback to make those plays. But a supporting cast, frankly, let him down multiple times earlier this season. The defense really has never done that. They had one game this year uh, where they gave up 27 points, and that was the high watermark. And, and that, to me, is so prescriptive of what this year has been when it has been the offense being the side of the ball trying to figure out what's been going a little bit wrong the defensive side of the ball has been the the unit holding this team to an AFC West title in the division and now all the way obviously through the playoffs they've been excellent as well but yeah this this season kind of belongs to the Chiefs defense despite the fact that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are on the other side of the ball yeah, um, but you still have those guys, and uh, and they're pretty damn good, uh, uh, no doubt about it. So um, you look at this matchup now. I guess let's start. I guess on the O line and, and Thune, and it looks like you know he's not going to play uh, by the sounds of it anyway. And then there's some like miracle recovery here in the next 72 hours. Uh, how big of a blow is that? Uh, how is the uh, the revamped O line going to look without him? It matters, but it's not completely changing anything for me. Listen, he's one of the best offensive linemen in football. It's very hard for him to get his credit for that by being a guard, and he's getting paid a ton of money. Uh, Nick Allegretti is the backup, and he's kind of a utility sixth offensive lineman on this team. He's been on this team for a long time. He actually started that Super Bowl in Tampa Bay that most Chiefs fans would rather forget, and the offensive line was the problem, but he wasn't specifically. All that to say, the Chiefs have trusted him in many circumstances, being Nick Allegretti. So if he is starting again in this game like he was uh, in the AFC championship game I really don't have any doubt that the O-line is going to continue to look like the offensive line that we've already seen from them this year the tackles have been up and down and, and Allegretti won't be Tooney in that spot but I do think it'll be okay especially as the Chiefs are probably more interested in attacking the edges of the Niners defense with the running game but they've been better running it on the interior so it does create a couple of interesting problems and answers and, and potential matchups where both of these teams match up pretty well uh, strength versus strength is a pretty common theme on, on both sides of the ball, really. Yeah, it, it does look on paper like a, a very evenly matched game, and you see the odds. It's it's bordering on a pick'em uh, at this point. But if you're the Chiefs, like I don't really see any surprises other than the fact that you know maybe we see Pacheco run even more because the one area the 49ers have struggled is uh, their run defense. Yeah, and, and again, Pacheco, like his power and the unique way that he runs, which everyone's gotten to see up close over the last couple of years and make jokes about, rightfully so, because it's crazy to watch. He, he has a ton of that power, his feet constantly moving, that aggressiveness really does play well kind of between the tackles. He, he doesn't have total tearaway speed and getting around to the edge where, where the Niners have been a little more susceptible there. You can kind of run at Nick Bosa. You can definitely run at Chase Young, but that's not really where Pacheco has been used most often. If, I, if you're kind of fishing for like, a surprise element in this game. I do think the Chiefs, they, they used to run so many of those jet sweeps, obviously, with Tyreek Hill. And then even without Tyreek Hill, they ran a lot of them with McCole Hardman. They were trying to run a lot with Kadarius Toney. I imagine that one of those speedsters, at this point I'd give the edge to Hardman, does end up getting involved horizontally behind the line of scrimmage to at least keep the Niners' offense honest there. But Pacheco's going to get the ball a ton. It's going to be a matter of, can this Chiefs interior, banged up as it is without Tooney, like you mentioned, can they continue to get a little bit of a, a consequence delivered to that Niners defense if they are going to try to play a little more conservatively and worry about Mahomes. The passing game is still deadly when it works, but it's been up and down like I mentioned earlier. Josh Briscoe uh, joining us talking uh, Super Bowl 58. So, uh, you know, you talked about that Chiefs defense. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, one of their best rushers is out. 
Uh, we talked about yeah. the the, uh, the injury on the offense, but this injury to me, though, I think much more impactful. Yeah, I agree, actually. I think if you're going to say, hey, pick, pick the loss, it's more impactful. Losing Charles Aminahu, the former 49er, which is unfortunate, too, because he had a, a revenge game opportunity here a little bit as well. I don't think things ended poorly with the Niners or anything like that, but it's always fun to see guys go up against their uh, their old team. But, yes, he, he's absolutely the second-best defensive lineman on this Chiefs defensive line at winning those one-on-one matchups and being able to create on his own behind uh, Chris Jones, obviously, who I think is probably going to have a, a huge game and, frankly, needs to. Without Aminahu, they, they lose both their best their second best one-on-one rusher they also lose a guy that has flexibility across that defensive line he can play on the edge but he can also kick into the interior and it creates matchup problems the Chiefs like to kind of orchestrate they have several linemen who can do that inside outside movement but it it really Aminahu and Chris Jones were kind of the gems of this line and Aminahu missed most of the first half of the season and and then getting him back in the second half you really saw that D-line coming into uh, coming into action so I think now George Karloftis is a name you've got to know going into this game because he needs to do something on that defensive line that makes the 49ers focus on something other than just Chris Jones. Jones will win some. He'll move around. He'll play the outside in some passing situations. But George Karloftis and then secondarily maybe Mike Dana, those guys are going to need to have really big games on the biggest stage to try to make up for the loss of Amenahu, which is a very, very big deal. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. So, do you see it changing at all how they're going to attack? In terms of not having a minute who out there, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it has to a little bit because when you, when you don't have your second best one-on-one pass rusher, it's harder to get pressure with four, and that's a good way to try to play that numbers game. Now, Steve Spagnuolo has crazy blitz packages, and, and he's been just absolutely diabolical this postseason. So I think that you're going to see probably a little extra pressure from the non-defensive lineman. He was already going to blitz plenty, I'm sure. But they're going to try to show Brock Purdy a lot of different things. So you lose a little bit of your, your flexibility and your options by not having a Minahu. I'll tell you the thing that I don't think that, that will not 
not change even without a minute is you're going to see some simulated pressures and trying to see that pressure come from different spots across that defense. And so what that means is you might see a, a totally normal look pre-snap, but at the snap of the ball, if Legereus Sneed or Trent McDuffie, one of the corners, blitzes off the edge, you might see the aforementioned George Karloftis. He might actually take a few steps back to try to hold down a little shallow zone to try to make Brock Purdy go, wait a second, he's not supposed to be there. What's happening over here? Now the pressure is speeding up that process and just changing what he's seeing. I don't think Brock Purdy is going to be easy to rattle. I don't really buy some of the storylines of him just being a a, a total game manager propped up by the Niners. He's really got some of that that it factor to him that I really do like, and I think he'll handle it. But Spags has seen better quarterbacks than Brock Purdy, and he has made better quarterbacks look worse than he could make Purdy look on Sunday. So I still think that's going to be a, a huge, huge matchup, making him see things a little bit quicker or have to see things a little quicker to make the ball uh, actually be able to deliver the ball on time. You, know, you, you talked about uh, you know the Super Bowl when the O line just wasn't good for the Chiefs, and obviously that cost them. It's going to be hard to be that bad again, no question about it. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey early on he, he was fairly quiet, kind of like the Chiefs' offense; they weren't doing what they were expecting. But the last month, maybe even five weeks, and definitely in the playoffs here, he looks like the Kelsey of old. Uh, what was there? Is there a nagging injury there? What's changed with this offense, or is it simply because the receivers aren't dropping every third ball? Yeah, I think there are three answers to that question. So the first being that he had his knee hyperextension the last practice before their opening night game against the Lions uh, back in week one. That was a Thursday, so he got hurt on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. He didn't play in that game. Then he was back for week two, but that did impact him, and he even had a couple other little things happen in weeks two and three that I, I do think nagged on a little bit. The other thing that was killing him all year is that when none of the other receiving options posed any real threat to opposing defenses, defenses just honed in on Travis Kelsey, which they've been doing for years. But when you had Tyreek Hill or even last year when you had Juju Smith-Schuster, you had somebody else that defenses had to respect. And that just was not the case through the first, like, 10 weeks of the season until rookie Rasheed Rice really came onto the scene. They started going to him more often, and it lightened the load some. So that's that's a huge part of it. I do think the injury is part of it. And also, it's a little bit uh, intangible, I guess. But Travis Kelsey in the playoffs has been a different animal all throughout his career. Like, there's an extra intensity to that. There's also the very tangible thing that he did not play the last week of the season. The Chiefs' uh, seed was already set at that point. They were going to be the three seed no matter what. So he didn't play in that game. The now you have this bye week going into the Super Bowl. So I think you're going to see the healthiest version of Travis Kelsey that you've seen at any point this season. How do you think the 49ers are going to defend him? Great question. If I knew that, I'm sure the Niners would be paying me a lot of money. Um, I, I think you, here's what I will say. I would not get sucked into the idea that Fred Warner is a Travis Kelsey stopper because I don't think anyone's been able to claim that. Kyle Hamilton for the Ravens last week hadn't allowed a touchdown, or I guess last what, two weeks ago, the AFC Championship game. Yeah. He hadn't allowed a touchdown uh, to a tight end all year. And then the first drive, Travis Kelsey gets one, an absolute dime dropped by Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, very different players for lots of reasons. But I think what you have to do still is treat Travis Kelsey, like he's Patrick Mahomes' first choice and second choice, cover him that way and make Mahomes move past him to go to Rasheed Rice, maybe Isaiah Pacheco in the flats, or go into one of the receivers who have had a much more tumultuous season, like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Justin Watson, maybe even McCole Hardman. Uh, one of those guys, I think you want to make one of them beat you. Mahomes has been so good this year, though, that I think he would take that offer, too. Yeah, for sure. What's your uh, bold prediction for the game? What do you think? What do you see happening? 
I'm taking the Chiefs here. I, I actually picked the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, so you know I'm not a huge homer. I'm also willing to admit my mistakes, but I'm not going to make that mistake again. I think a borderline perfect Mahomes and absolutely top – top-tier performance from Travis Kelsey is incoming, and I believe in this Chiefs defense. So I'm taking a low-scoring game once again. I'm going 23-20 Chiefs, and I think they get it done. I think they complete the back-to-back, but I do think this game is going to be close. Even as some folks around here have gotten a little big for their britches and uh, some, some blowouts predicted, I'm not quite that confident, but I do think the Chiefs get the win. Awesome, Josh. Thanks for this, man. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. Absolutely. You too, man. Thanks. Anytime. Hopefully I'll talk to you around the same time next year. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, could you imagine going uh, back to back to back? That's uh, Josh Briscoe from uh, Radio 810 in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, the injuries always play a factor for players. And, you know, guys are dressed and, and they're playing banged up. It can impact them. And uh, the fact that if Kelsey's at his healthiest... Oh man, that uh, I was leaning KC. Now I might lean a little bit farther because no one's shown me yet, Connor Halley, that they can shut down the Mahomes Kelsey combination. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like even if you do do all you can to shut down Travis Kelsey, Mahomes will find Rasheed Rice or Pacheco or somebody else will just find a way to step up. Uh, and easier said than done. You can cover him perfectly 80 percent of the game but those uh 20 of snaps he's gonna make you pay and he could go off for like a buck 80 and a couple touchdowns so he's just so tough to cover he's so smart that connection they have uh so much of it just from the time playing together the reps they've shared it's uh it's super tough to slow down and i hate it gregor if we're having joshua on next year at this time i don't know what i'm gonna do well let's be honest you know the chargers we're not gonna be having anybody from the chargers on at this time next year well, probably not. You're Pro- right. like, unless Jim Harbaugh takes eight years to turn a program around. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll be talking. Oh, yeah, when Herbert's traded. Good <laughs> uh, no. uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I, I don't know how many of you have been following this story or not, but uh, John Tavares is, uh, is going to court right now um, with the, uh, the Tax Court of Canada. Um, they're trying to reassess his 2018 uh, tax return. And, you know, I, I'd seen some stories and some headlines of like, oh, this is going to negatively impact uh, uh, players wanting to sign in Canada. So I wanted to get an expert on about taxes to find out if that's actually true. So we'll talk about that after the con man and a sports 1440 update brought to you by Douglas Mattress. Did you know? They were named uh, Canada's best mattress on Canadian living. Loved by more than 200,000 Canadians with over uh, 10,000 five-star reviews. If you want to try one, you get the 365-day trial period. It's pretty good. Check it out. Douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 